0: i invite you to stand for the reading of today's gospel lesson. It comes from the very first chapter of Mark's gospel. Mark chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. The gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ according to Saint Mark. Listen closely for the word of the Lord. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean region and all of the people of Jerusalem were going out to where uh, he was to be baptized by him in the river Jordan, and they were confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, "'The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the straps of his sandals.' the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Here we are at the start of this new year, uh, a time when we are resolving, as we do another revolving, to better ourselves and to get into shape and to take care of our skin and to read more diligently and to save more and to find a new hiking spot and to build something from scratch and to write something that is um, creative and to make a big... Okay, so maybe I'm reading you my list of things that I'm going to do this year. But in 2024, setting goals is something that we do. And at the core of resolutions might be this subtle sense that we are seeking to become something uh, more, more worthy in God's sight. Like doing more somehow means better than or more highly favored or more blessed. If I just do more and commit to more and achieve more, God will grant me favor. So maybe baptism of the Lord Sunday is the ideal day to hear that we are loved just as we are. That no resolution will change God's mind or heart about how much you are loved by God. So maybe these resolutions, for all their intent, maybe we shouldn't fashion them into idols this year, nor allow them to become some point of shame when we fall short of achieving the goals or, or the goals that society sets for us. We just remember today and breathe today that God loves us whether we keep a resolution or not, and maybe we should love ourselves and others the same way. So your New Year's 2024 clarion reminder right out of the gate in Mark's gospel is that the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is down to earth. It is gritty. It is it is grind, is of the dirt like creation, like us. It's full of real people with real issues happening in real life, like our lives. And it includes a God who cares enough to enter these muddy waters of your life and mine. The gospel of Christ is real. It is tactile. It is sensory. It's fleshy. And, and so, so often the ways of God are revealed to humans through real elements, like water, like bread and a little juice. And so Mark tells us, about these elements like running water and flames and camel hair clothing, the familiar aroma of a leather belt, edible bugs and syrupy honey and shoe-tying evangelists and parting clouds, doves and an audible voice from the sky. You know what happens in the baptism of the Lord according to Mark? Mark will not allow his hearers to become so enamored with this transcendent, uh, ethereal nature of, of God. He situates God and Christ squarely in our human story. And I love that. I love that God came into our messy lives, came into the waters with us. What does it say to you that God is willing to get dirty and splash around? a little grimy. I suppose that's why everyone was flocking to the Jordan River to hear from John and to be baptized. I hope you picked up on that. All came from the Judean uh, region and from Jerusalem. They came to the middle of nowhere to hear a preacher preach from the middle of a river. It was time for a new start with this guy who had this certain authenticity about him washing and and cleaning anyone who would enter the water, and they came. They came in mass, knowing that no questions would be asked about their past, only a willingness to change in the present and to set their sights to be better in the future. And the flood actually was happening on the banks as people flooded to the banks to get into the water. One after another came in the heat with limited supplies, the higher-ups and the, and the lower-downs alike, they all came for a fresh start. To hear, as you just heard and I just heard in our communion liturgy, they needed to hear someone say, you are forgiven. Forgiveness, forgiven, to forgive, to be forgiven, to forgive another. The root of that word is Give because it's God's act of generosity to give those who are willing to undergo a fresh start the opportunity to receive a fresh start. Mark's gospel, it's earthy, it's real, it's fast, it's its like life, and sometimes it moves so quickly like us that Mark doesn't have time to jot down all of the details, and so it begs us to ask some questions to fill in some gaps, like, how deep is that water before I I get down in it, Mark? I fear stepping into the water without a visible bottom. That's all right, step on in, what faith tells us. How cold is that water going to be? Don't worry about it. God's grace will strangely warm Your heart. Am I supposed to remain clothed, uh, you know, wear a robe? Am I supposed to come into the water as I came into this world, you know, through the water of a womb? And I've often wondered if that's where the, you know, the old Baptist song, Just As I Am, came. Just as I am, here I come. Right? Love that song. Is it pronounced Jordan or or Jordan? No, I'm just kidding. I added that one. (laughs) And this John fellow, he kind of smells funny and he's got a locust leg stuck in his tooth and, and there's this whole thing about confessing, you know, really, right here in the wide open desert in front of all these people whose names I don't know, I, I don't know them, they don't know me, and you want me to confess? Can't I just get a little water on my head and, and move on? And, and where did all these doves come from all of a sudden? Mark, Mark might want us to pause and wonder about that dove, that dove-like spirit, because it's hard for me to believe believing what I do about the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit just kind of came cascading down like a a styrofoam paper airplane and just descended? I don't think so. Give me a dive-bombing, kamikaze-like spirit that parts the clouds with its tailwinds, leaving a streak like a jetliner, roaring from heaven to earth like the new F-35s that are flying over from Maxwell. It is awesome. That's the image of the Holy Spirit we need to begin 2024, to plot a course, a dive-bombing, dove-descending fighter jet breaking into our story to forgive us and to convict us and to give us a direction. Amen. We need a dive-bombing Holy Spirit to break into our lives, to battle life's demons and devils, those within and those around. We need the truth about a God who cares enough to come into this messy life of ours and and that God would part water and part sky, do whatever it takes to suspend the laws of nature to get to where you are. And in prime Mark and fashion, just like a dove speeding to earth, Jesus just shows up. No birth narrative. No prelude, just out of nowhere. Next, next, next. There he is, the one I've told you about. And Jesus comes into the water. Strange. But for Mark, as it should be for us, the baptism of Jesus is, is about his identity. He is who the prophets said he would be. He is who he says he is. He is who the demons say he is. He is who the disciples will say he is once they figure it out after resurrection. He is who we need in a Savior, even though we will forever reject the purpose for which he entered the muddy waters of our life, and that is through humility and servanthood. I hope it's not lost on us that yesterday was the epiphany of the Lord. It was the twelfth day of Christmas, right? Or, more liturgically, it's National Take Down Your Christmas Tree Day. Yeah. It's that event, the epiphany, the Magi followed a star of all things to find a baby. The epiphany is, is laid alongside, paired with a theophany, this baptism event, all for the purpose of making known the ways of God to people humility, servanthood, radical care for the vulnerable, mesmerizing inbreakings, and witnesses like you and me who are courageous enough to tell someone about it. Today's text poses a couple of other questions, too. What is baptism? What is baptism to you? What does your baptism mean to you? And and how does your baptism change the way that you live? When I was typing this, my computer auto-corrected. You know when it does that? How does your baptism change the way you live? It said, how does it change the way you love? How does your baptism change the way you live and and love? It may be a dive-bombing spirit moment. I don't know. I've been a part of countless baptisms, and you have witnessed thousands here and in other churches. Parents have made promises to the church and to their child. The church has made promises back to those parents and to one another. Uh, Baptism always happens in community. Baptism is what calls us into community. It is our initiation into a story, into a family, and into a purpose that is much greater than any one of us. We are initiated into Christ's holy church. And Christ makes a promise in that moment to never walk away from you, no matter how often we walk away from the promise that we make. And for 2,000 years, for that reason, the church has believed in one baptism, because it's the promise that Christ is making to you and to the community. I've baptized a lot of babies, and I often am asked, why do we do that? How is that different from recognition or dedication or some other traditions have? Well, what we're acknowledging in that moment is the work of Christ and Christ alone. Christ's prevenient grace is at work in that child before the child ever even knows it. Before any of us can ever choose Christ, Christ has already chosen us. Again and again and again. Because we are being called into a community before we can even make a contribution to that community. At confirmation that child will accept grace for herself or himself. We make a lot of claims about grace, but it's grace that claims us, just as we are. I've baptized babies and youth and adults and children, children with special needs, working moms, young adults, professors, lawyers, teachers, rich, poor, members, non-members, Democrats, Republicans, and one libertarian, I think. I don't no, we didn't really ask for voter registration at one's baptism, and that's just it. No prequalifications except repentance, turning from self-righteousness to God's righteousness, from our ways to God's ways. The, the world is incessantly finding labels and restrictions and preventatives and reasons uh, that someone should stay out of club Christianity, but that's not the way of Christ or grace. So it's not what baptism and communion are all about. So all the people I've had the blessing of, of baptizing and the ones you vowed to support and yourselves include, we all share one thing in common, and that is we are sinners standing in the need of God's grace, and that grace is greater than all of our sins. We all need a fresh start. And it's God's grace alone that it does not discriminate. It doesn't ask who's worthy to, to receive it. It just keeps coming for us, it keeps coming trying to get our attention, trying to, as Wesley said, to prick our conscience and wake, awaken our affections. But it also demands that we change. Once the Holy Spirit works through the waters of, of baptism and, and grace begins seeping into our souls, we change. We cannot remain the same when we have an encounter with the grace of Jesus Christ. We seek to live holy lives and to love widely and to serve sacrificially and to give generously, to see people through the eyes of God and and to hear their voices through God's ears and concede that we might just find somebody uh, different from us through whom we hear the voice of God. Baptism helps us take a step in that direction. It saves us. The grace present always is what saves us, grace alone. And sometimes that salvation means that we're saved from ourselves, our old ways of seeing, our old ways of hearing, our old ways of doing, saved from treating others as we think they deserve to be treated. because if that were the case, we'd all be in trouble, right? So grace keeps coming. It keeps forgiving. It keeps convincing and convicting and pushing and prodding and pulling us apart and putting us right back together. I, I read something on Instagram recently. Uh, it, it talked about triggers Do you know about triggers, those things that kind of heighten our anxiety if we've been through something that's hard? You know, like when somebody who's been abused on, on social media and then their phone buzzes. The notification they just kind of bristle. you know what I'm talking about. you know what a trigger is, right? Or someone watching the room who, with whom you've, you' know, you've been mixed up and you just kind of uh, you kind of tense up a little bit or a certain word or a phrase or mentioned sometimes even a song can, can be a trigger as a pain point in one story. Well we all have them. but this post said that the opposite of a trigger is a glimmer. I don't know if you read that this week. glimmers are tiny moments of joy and peace and possibility. And once we began looking for them, we find that they're all around, and that made me think of water, glimmering water, so calm and inviting, like grace itself, like the arms of Christ, eyes glimmering to welcome us into his family. So I just wonder if 2024 is this movement toward that which glimmers, the grace of God that's at work, in our lives, all around us, whether we realize it or not, and we just start looking for those dive-bombing moments. Because I think when the Spirit dives into our cloudy, murky, complicated lives, the Spirit is shouting glimmeringly, I'm here. You're okay. Everything will be all right. Breathe. Trust me. We need that truth at the start of this new year. We need that assurance. You know, we've read the end of the book. We know how the story ends. So why not lean into the waters and allow grace to pour over our lives, proclaiming affirmatively that we belong to God and that God is well-pleased just as we are, despite how we are, because of who we are, namely because we belong to God. What have we to fear? Wars will end soon. This election will come and go as they all do. The economy, it'll have its peaks and valleys. There will always be some social issue pounding at the doors of the church, demanding a response much more quickly than the church can formulate one. So maybe just for today, we allow the waters of baptism and the nourishment of this meal pour into our lives and we breathe together, and we rise from the waters as a called community, as a family, not having things all figured out completely, no matter how much pressure we place on ourselves to do otherwise, but we rise from the water differently, simply knowing that we are God's beloved, and there's nothing we can do to change that. So, beloved, beloved, Because you are as you are, because God says you are. Amen.